Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this How To and Issues episode, you will learn how God's healing process works and how to cooperate with His promises to receive your healing. God has healed me miraculously nine times now, and I'm going to be sharing all the things that I've learned about what makes that work. One of the most frequently asked questions, and one that often can be the reason many don't draw near to God, is why does God allow sickness and injury? God has given us free will, and we live in a fallen world. There are a variety of possible reasons the Lord would allow sickness and injury. Sometimes, He allows it to get our attention so we will pray and seek His face. Other times, He will teach us a lesson about who He is and who we are in Him. Often, He wants us to heal better than new so we can show people the way to Him through our victory story. And other times, He wants us to understand how to share in His suffering because this humility gives the Lord glory. Sickness and injury also help us grow in perseverance and strength because when he heals us, we are better than new. James 1, 2 through 5 says, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through the decision or circumstance, he is to ask our benevolent God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. It is not God's will that you remain sick. Sickness can be a bondage. It causes your eyes to be fixed on yourself, your pain, and your limitations. When your eyes are fixed on yourself, they are not fixed on Jesus. He came to set you free from all bondages. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery, which you once removed. Jesus accomplished setting you free from the yokes of bondage before you were even born. Accepting him as Savior means that complete freedom, including freedom from physical and mental and emotional illnesses, are yours when you cooperate with your part. Jesus did his part on the cross. You need to do your part to cooperate with his healing. Your weakness is his strength. To explain how God views healing, the Lord showed me pieces of a shattered glass with the multiplication effect of reflection. Below is a conversation we had about how God can make us strong from our weaknesses. Jesus said, An unbroken glass shows only one image, but the individual shards of broken glass have a multiplying reflective capability. Each fragment of glass reflects its own image. People who have learned how to find healing and restoration can lead others through their challenges. I responded, so if I can conquer something others need to overcome, then I can show them the way, like multiplying the reflections. Yes, remember an unchallenged life is an unblessed life, because someone without trials will never see the need for me. They will never drop to their knees and allow me to show them that I am the way. Once someone has found the way through their challenges and victories, they can show others the way. 
Healing is fixing, repairing, and making new out of broken imperfections of people's lives by helping them find the reservoirs of living water within the Holy Spirit's restoring power. Then God showed me Isaiah 45, 3. I will give you the treasures of darkness, the hoarded treasures, and the hidden riches of secret places, so that you may know that I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you, Cyrus the Great, by your name. The Isaiah 45, 3 verse shows that the treasures were hidden below the surface. People didn't know they were there. It's the fullness of me in their hearts that was lying dormant and impotent. Their treasure is ready to be discovered when the time is right and they called on me to find it. Consider the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy had the way home. The Scarecrow had a brain. The Tin Man had a heart. And the Lion had courage all within themselves. They just didn't realize it. Believers have me dwelling within and therefore have all they need. They need to find me and trust me to help them believe and walk out this truth. When my perfection mixes with a person's imperfection, the result is stronger than before. You will help people discover what makes them better than new. When Jesus was sharing this, I immediately thought of the $6 million Bionic Man show from the 1970s. I'm dating myself now with that one. Jesus continued, Yes, in the $6 million man show, astronaut Steve Austin was nearly dead from an accident. Doctors rebuilt him with materials that made him extraordinary so that he could run faster and farther. He was able to serve exceptionally because his mended parts were better than his original parts. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in all more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So replacing the broken bits with your power and strength is like we're no longer human, but superhuman. Absolutely, you are united with the Omni-God. Healing in the Bible refers to physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs. Psalm 147.3 does an excellent job of showing us this truth. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Let's break this verse down by showing you the original text meanings. He is referring to Jehovah, which encapsulates the omni-truths of God, his omniscience, all-wisdom, omnipresence, ever-presence, omnipotence, his all-power, and omnibenevolence, his perfect love and character. Heals is the word rafa. It means to cure, to cause to heal. Physicians repair, thoroughly, made whole, to mend. Brokenhearted is the word shabar, which means broken into pieces, shattered, crushed, fractured, destroyed, hurt, torn down. Binds is the word shabash, which means to bandage, give relief, wrap wounds, to heal. And words is the word atsebeth, which means hurt, pain, grief, sadness, sorrow, trouble, wounds, injury. Could you see that the definitions of all of those words relate to physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual areas? 
and when the perfection of God's omni-nature and truths are added to it, you can see that God's will is not to leave you only partially healed, but entirely whole and full of life. Let's address another question that people really wrestle with. Why do faithful people die? Other than Enoch and Elijah and those who are raptured in the future, people die. Even faithful people die. Here's what Jesus had to say about that. People need to remember that in eternity's timeline, your time on earth is but a single breath. This is not the ultimate world. You are citizens of heaven. Sometimes a person's work is complete, and I bring them home for their reward. The death of a faithful one is not a loss. To die in their case is gain because their faithfulness has earned them a crown of life in heaven. The crown of life is also known as a martyr's crown. This is for those who patiently endure trials, testing, and temptations. They are faithful even until death. They do not need to be killed by persecution to earn this crown. Revelation 2.10 says, Fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Dismiss your dread and your fears. Behold, the devil is indeed about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and proved and critically appraised. And for ten days you will have affliction. Be loyally faithful unto death, even if you must die for it, and I will give you the crown of life. The crowns will be much better understood when you get to heaven. They are eternal benefits and are more valuable to you than you can know. There are other crowns, and one more than often coincides with the crown of life is known as the victor's crown or the crown of righteousness. This crown is reserved for people who live lives of holiness. Their Christ-like service to people for God was met without selfish motives. They lived a life of partnership and were prepared as the bride. Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, I have fought the good, worthy, honorable, and noble fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept, firmly held the faith. As to what remains henceforth, there is laid up for me the victor's crown of righteousness, for being right with God and doing right, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me and recompense me on that great day, and not only me, but also to all those who have loved and yearned for and welcomed his appearance, God's return. Doctors have three goals. Doctors diagnose a problem, they treat it for healing purposes, and then they maintain your health. The great physician is no different. Agreeing with God for what he identifies as the root cause is your diagnosis. God's treatment is cleansing and replacing with the truth by obeying the conditions that he reveals and doing what you see and hear God doing. Maintenance is accomplished by your behaving in agreement and staying in obedience to all his conditions. God's diagnosis is accomplished by showing us what is wrong that's causing our physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual symptoms. Where have we agreed with a lie from the enemy and opened a door to allow sickness in our life? What truth do we need to agree with to cooperate with God's desire for us to be healed? All healing requires cooperation. The doctor can tell you what you need to do to change your lifestyle to improve your health, but the doctor can't change your lifestyle. It's the same with the great physician. His job is to show you the truth that will set you free and give you the power to accomplish that healing, but you must do your part. The first step is to agree that God knows what he's doing and has your best interest at heart. 
Treatment is accomplished by asking the Lord what the conditions are for your healing. Listening and obeying what he shows you and tells you is your part. You must cooperate with these conditions to release God's healing. He is able and willing to show you what you need to do, and you must believe that truth to be able to hear and see what he's doing to heal you. Monitoring and maintaining your health is accomplished by sealing your healing with the word of God, seeing God heal your heart and anchoring your faith in his promises. Confession and repentance keep the healing secured. There are three verses in the book of John that show us that Jesus did nothing on his own initiative, but only what he saw and heard the Father doing. This is how he lived a sinless life. John 5.30, John 8.28, and John 5.17-19 all repeat this statement. If this is how Jesus lived his life perfectly, then our job is to do it just like Jesus did it. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. But while he lived on earth, and he laid down his deity and was living 100% as a man. We learn here that Jesus lived his perfect life because he was tuned to the Father at all times. Believers can do this too because we have the same Holy Spirit in our hearts connecting us to the Father. We can tune to God within our hearts just like Jesus did. Using the eyes and ears of our hearts, we connect with Jesus, and he shows us his mind, will, and emotion, enabling us to see, hear, think, and feel his thoughts and will. Knowing your ability to connect with God personally is the first step that you are learning how to do in this Experience Jesus podcast. When we tune to him, using the eyes and ears of our heart and dialogue journaling, we are able to ask him to clarify his will for us. Cooperating with him is the next step. Your choices will either lead to health and peace or sickness and worry. I'm going to include a choices diagram in the links below, but I'm going to describe it for you right now. Imagine a horizontal line called choices. A green arrow goes above the line pointing north, and a red arrow is below the line pointing south. Agreeing with God's truth leads to healthy choices and consequences like healing, strength, healthy relationships, faith, hope, love, and peace. That's the green arrow. Agreeing with the enemy's limiting lies leads to unhealthy choices with consequences of illness, anxiety, fear, poor health, and poor relationships. It's our fallen human nature that tends to have us agree with the enemy's lies. When you get verbally attacked, for example, the natural response is to defend yourself and attack back. But God's choice is to respond in the opposite spirit. Responding with love switches the red down arrow to an up green arrow. And it's actually disarming when you do that. People don't expect it. Left to our natural instincts, most people typically choose below the line choices. This clip from the animated film Inside Out is a fun demonstration of how unchecked emotions can lead to relational consequences. The link for that is below, but I'll do my best to describe the clip for you. 
In the Pixar animated movie Inside Out, normally cheerful 11-year-old Minnesota girl and hockey aficionado Riley finds her world turned upside down when her parents decide to make a fresh start to San Francisco. As a result, Riley's struggling to cope with the new reality, and her mind's emotional headquarters, where the fundamental feelings of joy, sadness, anger, and disgust and fear reside, and they work like a control panel making emotional decisions for her. Normally, Joy is the leader of Riley's emotions in her emotional control room, but she's nowhere to be found. The clip depicts a conversation at the dinner table with mom, dad, and Riley as we watch their various control panel emotions trying to navigate an uncomfortable family conversation. You definitely want to watch this clip to get the full sense of the funny yet true life depiction of what it looks like to choose decisions below the line. How do we make the green up arrow choices? Truth is not a thing to know, it's a person to know. Truth plus grace sets you free. Making God's choices takes you higher, while agreeing with the enemy's choices bring you down. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the only way to God, and the real truth, and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus showed us how continually to live connected to the Father. He is the way, the path to the Father as the Savior, and the guide as Emmanuel. Jesus is the truth, living out the word in the flesh, and sending us the Holy Spirit as our guide. He is the life, the indwelling power, so you can live your best Christ identity, fulfilling the plans he has for you without the distractions of illnesses and other issues. One of the major reasons I believe many people have trouble finding their healing is role confusion. God has his part to play in healing, and you have yours. Misunderstanding the roles and responsibilities can cause frustration and disillusionment. Let's address God's job first. God gives us the direction, the promises, the ability, and the power to receive healing. The Lord gives a clear direction of how to access healing in the Word. There is no puppet string control with God. He sent us the indwelling Holy Spirit as our internal guide to show us the way. Even the faith and power to believe and cooperate with God is from Him. He gives us the conditions for receiving the promised blessings. Then He shows us how to do our part to cooperate with Him and His will for our lives. Now let's look at your job. There are only a few things that God cannot do. He cannot lie or deny himself or his character. He cannot break a promise, and he cannot do your job for you. One of the things that God pointed out to me in journaling once is he said, the father doesn't need you to do his job, and the son didn't need you to do his job. But to do his job, the Holy Spirit requires your cooperation. If you aren't willing to do your part for yourself, there will be consequences. Your God-given free will enables you to choose to cooperate with God. Your job is to listen and obey God's voice. Exercise your free will by accepting the gift of salvation and faith and welcoming the indwelling Holy Spirit. You need to acknowledge that the power to believe does not come from you. It's a gift from God. So you cannot try or muster up the faith 
in yourself for healing. God is the source of faith, not you. To experience it, you must surrender in order to tap into it. By spending time with Jesus and in the Word of God, you begin to know the truth. That's how to find the promises for which you are anchoring your faith and your life. Being in God's presence fills up your spiritual tank with His grace and anointing. Asking for the conditions for your healing and obeying them and surrendering your own will to His will makes room for God's power to be released in and through you. Be honest with yourself. Are there times when you're trying to do His job? Are there times when you're not doing your job? Yeah, I know. These are the challenges. Now let's talk more about conditions for healing. I often see people think that all they need to do is claim 1 Peter 2.24 and it's a done deal. 1 Peter 2.24 says he personally carried our sins on his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin, and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you who believe have been healed. This verse is speaking of God's sacrifice that provides the power source to heal. It also reveals the positional authority that believers have to receive healing. It is not stating that simply agreeing with this verse is all that is required. People who believe that that's all there is to it, just say that verse and you'll be healed can get confused and even angry when speaking this verse by itself doesn't seem to do the trick for their healing. Speaking the word in faith is an essential factor for healing, but it's not always the only one. Notice the condition, you who believe, reveals that believing must accompany the speaking of this verse. There are always conditions for healing, and listening and obeying seem to be the most basic of conditions. Don't assume that you know all of the conditions, ask God to make sure that you know all of the conditions so that you can meet them all. Here's a verse that reveals four conditions. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, However, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, search for me, and turn from the, their evil ways, then I will hear their prayer from heaven forgive their sins, and heal their country. Most verses in the Bible that indicate a blessing or a promise have some contextual conditions nearby. If you notice the word if or when language, like in the case of if my people, there are hints that a requisite is in play. There are four requirements indicated in the 2 Chronicles 7.14 promise of God. The conditions revealed in this verse were that the people needed to humble themselves, pray, search for him, and turn from their evil ways, so that if they accomplished these conditions, he would hear their prayer from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their country. Not all physical illnesses require a physical condition to meet. Zach, a young semi-pro football player, took a bad hit one day and got his eighth concussion resulting in severe memory and concentration problems and constant headaches. He couldn't work or drive, and he was only 24 years old. When we prayed for the condition of his healing, the Lord revealed the need to confront and forgive a person who abused him as a child 
Although the prospect was terrifying, he obeyed this condition and was immediately healed. In addition to the healing his pain from that time, the offender was released from years of guilt and shame. Zach walked out the door of that encounter pain-free and with an acute mental clarity that was even sharper than before he had gotten his injury. The Lord healed him better than new and added an increase of anointing. He regularly receives words of knowledge and prophetic insights like he never had before. The Lord opened the door for him to get a fast-track truck driving license and is now witnessing the love of God on the road with great boldness. While Zach praises the Lord for hours as he drives his truck, he's getting drenched with God's anointing presence. Miraculous healings and salvations are commonplace for Zach as he prays with strangers at the truck stops. God's ways are quite different than ours. The key lesson in Zach's story is that not all physical illness and injury are healed by physical means. Incredibly, a loving act of forgiveness healed his physical injury. The Lord knows the conditions required for healing, and he will tell you your part to play to receive it, but you must ask him. And remember, Satan's plan is always to hold you back from your God-given destiny. Had Zach not obeyed a spiritual assignment for a physical illness, he would not be bearing the fruit that he does today. Let's talk about the role of the sword of the Spirit. When Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by the devil, the weapon he used to defeat him was the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This season was a necessary test, even for Jesus. The Word of God promises that we will have challenges and trials in this life. Every challenge is a test. Jesus knew that. He was fighting the devil, and he knew what weapon would defeat him. You and I need to realize that we are fighting the same enemy. Satan doesn't want you to recognize that truth. He wants you to think that the enemy is your boss, your spouse, your illness. If he can keep you focused on natural things in the natural realm using natural weapons, he's got you right where he wants you. What you need is the full armor of God, and you need to know how to fight in the spiritual realm. Ephesians 6, 12-17 says, For your struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage, around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, an upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy, with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In this passage of Scripture, we are shown pieces of armor that are for our protection. Imagine wearing this armor. 
your head, chest, waist, feet, and arms are all protected. With one arm, you're holding the shield of faith, and with the other, the sword of the Spirit. I want to point out one important thing that you may have missed from this verse reference. There is no protection for your back. The Roman armor referenced in this verse had no back covering. In this culture, soldiers marched forward. A back injury revealed that the soldier turned his back on his king and country. The same is true for us. If we turn our backs on God, we are unprotected. We cannot step outside of God's will and still expect his protective covering to keep us safe. This is a tricky, double-sided coin of free will. We must agree with God's best for us, lay down our self-will, and align ourselves with his truth to have his protection. Knowing the word of God is critical. It allows you to find and anchor your faith on his promises. Otherwise, you would not have the discernment to recognize a lie from God's truth and the clarity of knowing the real enemy. Australian prophetess Lana Vowser shared a message she received from the Lord about a spiritual attack on some daughters of God related to trying to steal their voice. This message hit me while I was writing the last couple of chapters of Encountering the Love of God book. I was experiencing a lot of spiritual warfare for about 10 days. I highly recommend this video that you would watch if you're struggling with spiritual warfare and the link for it is shared below. Lana saw Wonder Woman standing firm with a drawn sword when a demonic character stole her sword right from her hand. She dropped to her knees weeping. Then the loud voice of the Lord commanded, Get up and go get your sword. Lana shared how Wonder Woman picked up the pickaxe and pounded it against a rock. As I was watching this video, the Lord had me pause and work through this metaphor personally. I saw myself striking the pickaxe against a rock. It was a hardened part of my heart that I didn't even know was there. There was a hidden issue in my heart that needed healing. As the pickaxe did its work, a light started shining to reveal the fear of failure and the fear of success. These were issues that both didn't surprise me retrospectively, yet they were not consciously known to me at the time. Using the tools and steps that I teach you about in the Encountering the Healing of God book, the Lord helped me regain my sword. He reminded me that I should never come to him as a beggar. We are daughters and sons of the King of Kings. We need to behave consistently with this true identity. We are to be steadfast in him, not weaklings. The enemy is never bigger than the one in you. Remember who you are and go get your sword back. Now let's take a few minutes to talk about faith. Faith is actually one of the nine manifestation gifts that the Holy Spirit brings when he enters your heart at salvation. When you allow him through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these nine manifestation gifts are activated in your heart. The gift of faith comes from God and cannot be mustered on your own strength. You must ask for it in order for it to be mobilized in your heart. The scriptures are full of examples of faith being a key factor related to healing. There are many Bible stories where Jesus identifies faith as the condition met for healing. Let's look at two of them. The full story of the woman who touched the fringe of Jesus' robe in the crowd is covered in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 22. But Jesus turning and seeing her said, 
take courage, daughter. Your personal trust and confident faith in me has made you well. And at once the woman was completely healed. Our second example is the story of the centurion who asked Jesus to simply speak the command and his servant would be healed. That story is covered in full in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, 7 to 10 says, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man subject to authority of a higher rank, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following him, I tell you truthfully, I have not found such great faith as this with anyone in Israel. Notice that both the woman and the centurion took an action that led to Jesus' healing. Faith is believing before you see. The Lord delights over this type of faith. Sometimes this type of faith is the condition for healing, or at least one of the requirements for healing. Active faith pleases the Lord so much that it actually motivates him to heal you. We talked about this in the What Moves God to Move It miracle episode 4 of this podcast. Sometimes the condition for a person's healing may be related to the faith of those praying and not those intending to receive it. In Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus gave his disciples the power to heal and cast out demons. In Matthew 10, 10, it says, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority and power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. That's an absolute word. We notice that between Matthew 10 and Matthew 17, the disciples had a bit of success with this. But then in Matthew 17, 15 to 20, we realize that they had a little bit of trouble. Matthew 17, 15 to 20 says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, moonstruck, and suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they were not able to heal him. And Jesus answered, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, Why could we not drive it out? He answered, Because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. For I assure you, and I most solemnly say to you, if you have living faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it is God's will, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. If the people praying for healing don't believe God for it, that can be a barrier to healing. I remember learning when I was studying about the courts of heaven process that the enemy will testify in the court against the healing by saying to God, the righteous judge, even the person praying doesn't believe that you can do it. I wanted to talk to you for a few minutes about testing. You will be tested. You must expect testing in all of the healing processes. If the enemy got you before in an area, he will always, always try to get you there again. Satan's oldest trick in the book is to get you to wonder, did God really say or did God really do that? Did that really happen? 
Testing is absolutely normal, and it will happen, so do not get caught off guard by it. There will be temptations to go back to sin patterns. Doubts will creep in about your healing. This is where it's critically important to know how to stand on God's promises to you. The testing will build your perseverance, increase your faith, and strengthen your character. Waiting is the biggest challenge. During the waiting, the enemy can creep in and whisper lies again and make you doubt that you ever really heard the promise in the first place or make you forget that Jesus healing experience that you had at all. The Lord says, Remember, remember, remember what you saw me do and what I promised. Take it to the bank. Stand on it like solid ground and continue to remind yourself, me, and the enemy that you know the truth. On Cindy's first day participating in our Spirit Life Circle, we prayed for her and she received a journal message from the Lord assuring her that he had just healed her of her epilepsy. He said stuff like, right now, today, it's done. She had seven statements like this in her journal on the same day. Seven is the number of perfection. The entire group was over the moon for her. The enemy was relentless to try to rob her of her healing. For many months, she experienced auras. That's that it's coming feeling that epileptics get before a seizure. She would also receive small seizures that would not cause the debilitating results of her typical experience, but they were still there. Many seizures while she was sleeping came not as regularly as before, but persistently. Each time she took the issue to the Lord, he assured her that she was healed. During the season, the Lord was birthing a business in her heart and revealing incredible truth to her. The enemy did not want her to focus on that business. He did all he could to try to keep her eyes on her physical condition. Satan was trying to relentlessly re-enslave her. Every time the enemy would counterfeit a seizure to throw her back into fear, the Lord would use it to draw her deeper. Cindy and the Lord are winning that battle. She is walking one day at a time in the confidence and power to focus on her business and her ever-growing relationship with the Lord. Testing is always part of the process. I cannot overemphasize this point. If God says it, it's true. Sometimes it takes your body and your heart time to catch up to that truth. Your thoughts and your words will either accelerate that healing reality or send you backward. Your body responds at the cellular level to what you think and say about your illness and your healing. When you speak doubt, the enemy will use that as an open door to mess with you. Don't rob yourself of your healing by expecting it to look and feel a specific way and in your timing. Stand on the truth of what God said and what he showed you when he healed you. Ask for an increase of the gift of faith so you simply believe everything that he says and can take that to the bank. Agree with it behaviorally and watch what God will do. Today's encounter experience is kind of a twofer. We're going to do two things. We're going to ask the Lord to anchor a promise to show you something that he wants healed in your life and your body, what that looks like when you're healed. And the second thing we're going to do is practice receiving from God because part of the trouble is issues of unworthiness and we push away God's blessings. So we're going to practice that. But before we do, if this is your first encounter, 
I want you to go back and watch our trailer episode to understand the four keys to hearing God's voice and the process and biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, which is what we use to encounter God in the first place. As always, before you do an encounter with God, you're going to want to posture your heart properly. So you're going to be stopping this recording and you're going to spend time with God in praise and worship, be in a quiet place, do some relaxing breathing, make sure you will not be disturbed. And then what we're going to do is go through these steps. Just going to share what they are. By this point, you should be able to do this without my voice guiding you. So I'm just going to let you know what to do with the Lord when you get to your special place. Remember, too, that it really works better if you see yourself as a small child when you encounter the Lord. For more on that is episode two about the power of childlike faith. All right. So what I want you to do now, once you relax, is I want you to meet Jesus again in your special place as a child. And I want you to spend some time just playing and enjoying him for a bit, thanking him for your blessings. Then you and Jesus are going to sit cross-legged facing each other. And I want you to clench your fists. So you've got your little children fists clenched and you're sitting with Jesus cross-legged. Jesus is wanting to give you something, but you're not able to receive it because your fists are clenched. Pay attention to what it is that he wants to give you. And what he has for you is something you really want. He will make sure of that. But your closed hands will not allow you to receive it. Then Jesus will have you open your hands and you will be able to receive it. I want you to talk to him first about this object lesson. What was it that he wanted to give you? And how do you open your heart as if your heart itself was clenched hands? How can you create a more open posture to receive healing and blessings from God? So I want you to spend some time talking to him about that. And then I want him to give you a picture of yourself totally healed. I want you to be able to see what it would look like with you to be completely healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. What are you able to do that you can't do now? How are your relationships better? Allow the Lord to give you a really clear image of what that blessed future would look like. And then spend some time with him, finding out what you would need to do to open your heart to receive that truth. Take as long as you need and make sure you record everything in your journal. Well, I hope you learned an awful lot today about how God heals and how you can receive healing from the great physician and healer. Would you like to know how to go deeper with God? I want you to prayerfully consider attending the Deeper Spirit Life Workshop, May 12th to 14th, 2023, on the shores of Lake Erie near Cleveland, Ohio. God's glory has the power to transform you in an instant. 
What could God do with you and through you if you learn how to quiet yourself and gaze long enough for God's glory to transform you? Gazing is a long look, while glancing is a short one. When you gaze at Jesus, he gazes back, and his glory flows where his eyes are fixed. In God's glory, there is peace, healing, and clarity of purpose and direction. Learn how to stay in God's presence long enough for him to transform you into the Christ you that he died for you to become, your Christ's perfected identity. You can expect expertly facilitated Jesus encounters and plenty of time to connect with God in this workshop. For more information and to register, check out spiritlifeworkshops.com. We hope to see you there. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.